So, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever you listen to this. This is Matthew Media Logs, I'm Ricky Good Partner in Crime, Ricardo Medina. Hello, hello, hello. And this is another episode of BS Beats and Bailey. I know, it's been a long time. I know I keep saying that, but ah, just, just things keep popping up anyway. Um, in our case, it was the Trinidad Tobago Film Festival, and it was like two weeks ago. And I know you, Ricardo, probably just forget half of what happened, but um, yes, that happened, so we took a, a while back. Uh, we, sorry, we, we, we took a break, really. Um, I only watch one movie in the film festival. Right, and that would be the, the Twin Island State, right? Yeah, that is it. Yeah. Uh, well, well, same here too. Um, well, I, I took in Pato Pachali because like, hey, I'm a film buff, so I could at least brag and boast to my friends and say, hey, I get to see that shit on big screen. Eh? So, ha, right? So, I took in that, took in Twin Island State, which I enjoyed as well. I met a few people that were in the film as well, I should say. One of them actually collaborated with me on, uh, well, my, my retrospect reviews, where we talked about Jeezy's Hard Knock Life and Outcasts Aquemini. So, that was cool. Uh, Alright, so apart from all that, we have uh, two movies and a mini-series. I don't want to call it a series as such, to talk about. So, the two movies that we're going to talk about uh mandy finally got to talk about mandy finally 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 got to talk about mandy um and a little movie by the name of venom one of the most highly anticipated movies of 2018 for better or for worse and um here's the thing we just had to talk you know we bring up the general you know the general let's call it the meta discussion of the whole separation between critics and audiences you go on rotten tomatoes you'll see how interesting and we'll talk about that yeah yeah, yeah um well good good point though because yeah we really had to talk about really what the critics like or what they say as opposed to what the audiences like and say i really had to use the word like eh, because yeah i imagine this is this would be a crowd pleaser but ah i don't know boy it's just like in my case it's is it something that you're gonna like that's gonna just stay with you now basically but we'll get to that in a bit as far as miniseries or TV shows go, we, uh, we'll talk about um, Maniac, right? I, don't to, I was about to say season yeah. one, but technically, no, it's not a season one. It's just a miniseries. Uh, it premiered on yeah. um, Netflix um, not too long ago. I actually checked it out about, well, I actually wrapped it up a half hour before we met up online. So I'm going to just share my fresh thoughts on, on the series itself. But you, Ricardo, um, I believe you saw it, uh, well, actually finished up probably a few days before me so i guess you have more time for the film to register in your mind sorry for the show yeah. to register in your mind and whatnot so yeah we will we'll bounce back we'll bounce right. we'll share our thoughts bounce back and forth and all that kind of jazz right uh as, as far as like news or like stuff um well we got the extended trailer for aquaman um right. personally i thought that the it was going to spoil a lot so I was, I was kind of nervous watching it, but I was thoroughly entertained by it. Um, I like the long take, the little chase scene that, I don't know, between you and me, kind of, well, the foot chase scene, I should say, which between you, you and me reminds me a lot of um, the Born Identity series. It has that kind of feel, yeah. especially with, you know, the, the locale and them just jumping through windows and, you know, yeah, running out buildings and all that kind of stuff, busting through walls. It's very Born Identity, right? That That's my thing. Um, but the, the the big selling point, of course, had to be the suit, the Aquaman suit, and yeah, admit it, it looks very very decent. I'm I'm impressed by this. But I like that they well, okay. So credit where credit is due. I'm glad that they actually quote unquote spoiled it in the trailer. 
Because imagine like if it was in the movie itself and we were surprised, we would make a big deal out of like a costume, you know what I mean? Like, oh my God, it's the costume. But it's like, come on, you right. can show that in a trailer, so nothing's wrong with that. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the trailer is what it is. It didn't oversee its welcome. It looks very good. I'm excited for it. I'm hoping that it is as great as, you know, I, I expect it to be. I could be wrong. Could, you know, I could come out of it feeling, you know, so-so about it. But I'm excited by this. I, I really, I really am I'm impressed by what I'm seeing here. Uh, Ricardo, any thoughts you have to share on the Aquaman trailer? Anything that hasn't been said? Yeah, when I, when I saw it, I was like, well, you know, for me, those are that'll do pig you know, scenario, no, nothing mind-blowing or anything like that. It's just, it's just very well done. You know, yeah, it's it solid. Is. You know, James Wan is somebody I have a lot of respect, working respect for anyway, so it's like, cool, they're getting this on track. And look, you know, you know, I call that ship from since the beginning. I was like, yeah, they, they're going to have to, if they, if they want to make a paradigm shift, and, you know, Marvel did the same thing with their characters, which is, all right, don't waste your time trying to hype up your classic famous characters focus on two characters that in my opinion always logistically made the most sense of being the locus of the justice league anyway which is wonder woman and aquaman and so said so done um look they didn't have to do that much garbage with batman v superman but i my attitude was focus on superman as an individual figure dial back batman and then have um aquaman and wonder woman as the, the two kind of new headliners now for the most part yeah and yeah. well that's exactly how the whole situation played out and i'm, I'm glad uh the situation is what it is now cool yeah um it looks great colors love it um the new outfit uh defense about the new outfits don't love it love it completely but it's still decent like it's not a mind-blowing outfit or anything like that but it's just still solid solid business for me um you know going forward now yeah yeah so that's about it nothing mind-blowing that's good yeah, it is. It's, it's good. It's good. You know what I mean? Can't, can't complain, man. Can't complain. So now we're going to kick things off with uh, a movie that I was excited to see um, for one particular reason. Yeah. Mandy. Um, and I'll talk about this reason right now. Me, basically, the, this is like one problem that I'm having now with these sort of new age cult film slash midnight movies where basically they just have to zero in on one thing and this hype did sing up and call it like one of the best movies of the year and one of the best horrors of the year and then when you see it, it's just yeah it's unique it's different but I wouldn't call it one of the best of the year right but in this case here with Mandy the big selling point is Nicolas Cage and his stellar performance and this is a return to form and this is one of the best performances he's ever given yada 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 right so um i'll just talk briefly about the film here for a bit right so it's directed by um Panos right. cosmatos and uh well let's see first i'm actually hearing about this guy he is the um son of george p Cos cosmatos who i honestly forgot was the guy who directed the excellent new western um tombstone classic yeah classic in my opinion um and he did help out as a second unit on the production of that film so um when his father passed away he basically took like the you know what he what he made whilst uh, making that film and invested into making his debut film in 2010 which is called beyond the black rainbow and what i did after watching mandy because you know mandy just you know just resonated with me so much um i actually rewatched i actually watched sorry beyond the black rainbow and i saw certain you know styles certain techniques certain themes basically that that show up in in um in mandy so what is mandy about like who is mandy right 
So uh, basically, the story is set in 1983, and for <laughs> it's kind of weird because Beyond the Black Rainbow is set in 1983. So I don't know if um, right. if the director has a kind of like affinity with the 80s, but you could tell with both Mandy and 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 Beyond the Black Rainbow that there is some 80s worship, but not just with movies, not just with you know American lifestyle and whatnot, but in cult films, you know, in horrors and you know thrillers and whatnot. You know, and sci-fi's. You know, he really draws heavily from those '80s cult films. You know that that you know were basically they could have just died in the box office, but you know, thanks right. to VHS kids, actor parents, you know, they they had a new life basically. And then over the years, you know, you had these viewerships and whatnot. You know, they had these these midnight viewings and whatnot. And yeah, now today they are regarded as cult classics. Now, I for one, I'm a cult film. In, um, aficionado so you know I I don't know I just love to just watch these films like in the, in the dark in the night it was those kind of films that you know they're just so against being mainstream and whatnot but uh, with Panos's case now it's like he would frequent this um, this video club this um, well yeah where they used to sell VHS tapes at the day right and he would always frequent like the horror section so it was like those films or like the the covers of the the covers of those um of those tapes that will you know that would intrigue him basically and for me like if you look at the poster for mandy it does have that kind of 80s horror vhs tape kind of feel to things but anyway so um right so the story is set in 1983 uh we introduce a character of red miller we don't who's played by nicholas cage we know nothing about him except that you know he's he's a woodsman basically he works for these guys and he has a um a girlfriend named mandy bloom right um and they live in the mountains basically the shadow mountains and you know we just kind of see in their day-to-day life you know they just like to sit down watch tv kind of reflect about their lives and whatnot and one thing about um about and one thing about Panos' style here, basically, is that he would have, like, these long takes of just these characters just talking, and you just see, like, these little light changes and whatnot, right? So you see that going on. Uh, one day, while Mandy is walking down the road, um, she passes by this van, and this van has these, these creepy individuals called the Children of the New Dawn, right? And we learn later on that they are this hippie cult, basically. Well, they, they claim they are Christians, but basically they just get high off of yeah. LSD and just do all kind of weird stuff, right? So, one of the members of the group is right. smitten by, by, by Mandy, right? Something about Mandy's look, even though Jump it's very yeah. emo, right? But whatever, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she has these kind of like droopy eyes and all that kind of stuff. But it's something about her look, yes? And yes, I would admit there is something kind of hypnotic about her, her, her looks, basically, her, about her face. So, in, yeah, the, yeah. in the van, Jeremiah Sand is there, right? And he's like immediately smitten by, by, this, by this girl. And he's like, all right. I want this girl to be... I, I just want to. I want a cleaner. And, you know, later on we learn that he has this kind of tendency because he's been changed, you know, he's been... Resur- you know, he's a new man now and all that kind of stuff. He feels that he must pretty much just take everything that he wants, even if it is someone else's girlfriend, right? So, yes. And um, in the process, one of his goons summons these weird kind of demonic bikers. Right. Yes, this is the type of movie we, we talk about here. And they break into um into um red miller's house kidnap mandy take the um, take take her back to his place and we're not gonna see what happens from there but basically red miller is uh red's character is just pretty much pissed about what happened and we learn 
kind of, you know, just kind of hint basically that yes, this man has a dark past, a dark side basically. So he yeah. goes by his boy named Bill you know? Duke. Didn't expect to see Bill Duke in this movie. I'm like, what? Okay. And it's like, all right, well, give him a weapon. I'm going for these guys. And Bill well, Duke won't well, well, them. Well, you know, these guys are crazy. You don't know what to expect from these guys here. But Red is like, dog, I don't yeah. care, you know. I don't ride for these men, you know. And pretty much that's what the movie is about. It's simple. It's to the point. It's just guy loses his shit, realizes he has to go and seek vengeance against these guys, right? This this hippie cult. And that's all I'll say as far as plot goes. Uh, Ricardo, just want to just wanna hear your thoughts on, on the movie first before I, I share what the, the majority of things that I right. like. Right. I, I, I thought I, it was great, like great fun, but it's re- it, the first half was pretty slow. Um, but that's not really a major issue with it going with it as thing. The second half is where everything gets awesome. Alright, well, I, I, I totally agree with you as well. Um, like, here's the thing, like, me going in blind, not knowing what to expect. Yes, there is a hypnotic quality to the film, right, which I appreciate. Um, for one thing, the cinematography is near perfect, in my opinion. I'm not talking about the color correction and stuff, I'll talk about that in a bit. But yeah, the cinematography is gorgeous in this movie. For, for a movie that just drips yeah. and oozes in, in darkness, like, even in shots where it's like bright daylight you know there's something dark and ominous going on yeah this is a gorgeous looking movie right um when it comes to like the the colors you know um similar to beyond the black rainbow he uses a lot of bright colors you know a lot of reds and oranges and yellows and um, yeah. mostly times they're all up in your face basically you know it's almost like if yeah. it's a fever dream that you're watching and you're seeing the world through like some LSD trip and whatnot, right? But not too much it takes you out of the film. But just in terms of setting up the aesthetic, you know, there's a lot of, you know, lights, you know, well, usage of colors, I should say, in this film. Especially when you see um, Jeremiah Sands' place, you know, there's a lot of, like, these psychedelic colors um, about. And it adds a lot to the feel as, as, as well because, like, um, there's this, um, like, this one sequence, basically, it runs for a while, right? Because, yes... The first half is 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 a slogan, right? But yeah, there are moments in Jeremiah Sands' place where, yes, hardly anything is happening, and it's just basically conversation between Jeremiah and Mandy. But just them colors alone, boy, just have you like drifting off, like mentally drifting off, now, you know? And you just find yourself just being sucked into the film. And for me, what I really, really, what I really dug about it is um, just overall is that um, Panos really goes out of his way yeah. to make something incredibly unique, you know. And for me, I was like, okay, this is like Midnight Movie 101 again. This is like um, David Lynch and Iris ahead, you know, just going back to those days where it was about style, right? But I'll talk about style in a bit. Um, but yes, I do agree with you. The first half is a slow burn. There were moments where I was like, okay, this is a two-hour movie already. Um, when are we going to get to see Nicolas Cage um, rage out, you know? that That's what's been hyped in, right. in you know in the in the reviews for this film right but i was enjoying the, i was enjoying what was going on even though i was like all right come on pick it up pick it up kind of pick up the pace here i know i know you're going for mood this is very much a mood piece or anything else but come on pick things up right and when you do pick up in the second halfway wow 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 this is like straight up grindhouse 80s jumping a car meet these bad guys come out with weapons and no holds bad just over the top craziness right um although for me i find that it is slightly overhyped like people just say it's like the most visceral movie ever it's like no not yeah. really. i mean it is brutal and violent but not 
too much you know what i mean it's not like some kind of japanese gonzo film like that right but it's it's i'm, I'm not saying it's safe neither right but you, you get what you get exactly what you what you pay your money for but it's not like some nt-17 level stuff it just is you know it's action it's violence it's it's fun wherever it is right um there's a there's one scene though a, a chain so a scene that caught me completely by surprise i was like wood okay this is where we going all right all right cool and what i what i keep saying this is where we going because yeah there are some things that come completely out of the blue and like for some people they might think of this as just being kind of pretentious or you know like okay or you, you know it's just too much style and not enough substance um and yes this this film does really pay tribute to like 80s you know hard rock and heavy metal for one thing the score which is done by the late great johan johan johansson i believe this is the last score that he did before he passed away rest in peace but yeah this one is ominous it's dark it has a lot of like electronic guitars it you know synths as well you know it really has this disorienting feel to things but i love how it just sets up this dark to, um you know vibe to it i would argue that yes it is overscored you know like every scene literally has music playing but you know it's a mood piece so i guess that's what we're going for so it didn't really affect me that much um acting uh, i thought that the acting for what it's worth is decent it's not great but it's decent right um nicholas cage i would not say delivered some kind of oscar witty performance and i wouldn't say like this is a return to form or blah 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 but he committed to this performance and i would say if it wasn't for him this movie would not have the appeal that it did because now i'll, now I'll go to beyond black rainbow because yes while beyond the black rainbow is you know very uh, you know different and unique in terms of visuals and stuff because there's little story or character development and like you know faces that you know it was kind of hard for me and i imagine it would be hard for other people when they watch the film to care you know what i mean but now that you have nicholas cage front and center it's like okay we know nicholas cage we know historically in his career after leaving Las Vegas, he just does these kind of, you know, crazy rules. So it's like, all right, we just want to see when he just goes crazy, right? But what surprised me is that I thought it was just going to be like some kind of right. like Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance thing. where Or like, say, um, what's his show? Right. Uh, Bad Lieutenant. The, 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 the one that Werner did now, where it's Nicolas Cage being crazy for the sake of being crazy. What I like yeah. here is that it's not like that. It's more emotionally driven. It's more him just reacting to things on an emotional level than anything else. And that's just him going crazy and going, woo, whatever. It's not like that. Like, for one thing, there's a great scene, actually one of the most memorable scenes in the film. Him in the bathroom and him drinking liquor and just him spazzing out. And, like, I was I was feeling that moment, though. I think above, out of all the shenanigans that take space with him, this is the moment that really stood out to me emotionally, right? And everything else is just like, yeah, look at me, out for revenge, right? But it's still emotionally driven um mandy well the the actress who plays her andrea riceborough i believe that's her pronounced her name she's she's good for what she's given you know she has that kind of emo vibe to her character like she says a lot but you know she's kind of restrained in terms of her of her character and whatnot so it's not like she's delivering anything you know spectacular or whatnot you know mostly times just her kind of staring at the camera her just reacting to things so you know it, it works for the most part um Linus Roach, who plays Jeremiah's son. Yeah. He got under my skin, boy. Like, he really got under my skin, boy. Like, at, at first, I was like, I kind of not feeling the guy. You know, he's 
he just kind of being weird and crazy for the sake of being weird and crazy but the moment where he does this monologue in front of Mandy, he's, he's playing this this sort of folk rock record that's when his character really sank into me where i was like all right this guy is creeping me out here. like seriously creeping me out this is great shot right and it works in terms of just the psychedelic colors where their faces literally blur into each other and i thought that was like an excellent shot though you know what i mean very yeah. trippy but you know it works there now um and that's one thing about about the director panos right he use he does a lot of like experimental like film techniques and you know he he, he displayed it a lot in like with beyond the black rainbow but in here you know he does it as well and i thought that the the just the visual stuff that he did were great you know some people might find it kind of pretentious but i i got where he was coming from he just wanted to be unique right and you know in these day in, in this day and age with hollywood and whatnot you have to praise directors like this right but let's be real though people would not would not have cared about this movie you know with all the demonic bikers and chainsaw battles and whatnot if it wasn't for nicholas cage right and but the movie itself works on its own that really and truly you don't really need nicholas cage to be front and center so i don't want to say that panos is some kind of visionary that's going to change the game you know what i mean because yes he does draw from guys like dario argento um Hodorowsky, um david lynch and all that kind of stuff you could tell that he he loves that kind of stuff right and i respect that but in this day and age seeing a director really do stuff like that i really stand out amongst the crowd you know that's that's admirable for me um but yeah but if i have one if i had two gripes for the film is that um for one it does run way too long i find that this movie could have just been an hour and a half you know there was no need for this thing to be two hours and yes, I know it's about mood and tone and whatnot, but there are some moments that do drag on, you know, just looking back at it. And I felt that, you know, it could have just kind of cut things down, you know. It's it's that kind of yeah. auto kind of stuff that, like, I just want to challenge the viewer, that kind of vibe now. But I know that there will be people that will be turned off just of the length of the movies. Like, come on, get to the second half. Let me get to yeah. the chainsaw stuff and all that crazy stuff, right? Um and then the, the second thing though is um just similar to beyond the black rainbow is the story story itself is simple you know and it's so simple that it just didn't need to run for two hours in my opinion it just could have been told just t- straight to the point you could have your trippy stuff here or there but a story so simple didn't have to run for two hours man you know what i mean so i guess that's something that 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 panos has to kind of figure out and you know he would come like i think he he defended his last film and said well it's about mood it's about style you know and you know for some people that would, that'll be a turn off now you know what i mean like like all right style and substance you know we we you know style is great but give me a little substance now. give me a reason to care now, you know so for me though uh while i wouldn't why i wouldn't say that i was completely blown away by mandy I would say, without a shadow of doubt, that this is one of the most unique films I've seen all year. Right. I wouldn't say that it completely lives up to the hype, but this is one that I definitely recommend to check out. If you're not a fan of the artifacty stuff, or if you're not a fan of the, the grimy grindhouse stuff, or the midnight movie stuff, and this movie kind of blends both together, then I imagine you won't care for this film at all. But if you just want to see something a bit different, then yeah, give this a look. But what I would just say, last things last, don't go in expecting to see nicholas cage be all you know all cage in front of your face now. it's emotional cage right it's not ghost rider spirit right. of vengeance cage you know what i mean he has done crazier stuff before right and i felt that there's the hype the the hype train for this film 
really did this film um, um, a certain injustice. Like, you know, people will go and expect it to see kids just go crazy. And it's not that, trend. it's not that. So people would be disappointed by it, especially with the length of time you have to wait before you see Nicolas Cage really go off now. But yeah, if, if you just want to see something challenge, if you want to see something unique, then yeah, definitely check this out. This, this, one, this is just a good, you know, enjoying the filmmaking of it. And that's how I just enjoyed this. I knew Beyond the Black Rainbow, so that's what I expected. And yeah, that's what I got. Right. I don't really think about it in any other fashion. Right. So speaking of Beyond the Black Rainbow... Now we have to talk to a sh- now we have to talk about a show that kinda resum kinda evokes certain things from that from that film Maniac. It stars um it stars Jonah Hill, Emma Stone. So we have an Oscar nominated actor and an Oscar winning actress in this film in this um series. Sorry, we have Justin Turo. Um, I I specifically remember him from his great performance in David Lynch's uh, Mulholland Drive. Um, but I really love this character there. Uh, Gabriel right. Gabriel Bur- um, Byrne, um, who last time I saw him this year was in what I would still see the best horror of 2018 yeah. thus far, Hereditary. That's just my opinion. Um, yeah. And Sally Field. When's the last time you saw Sally Field, aka Forrest Gump's mother? Well, last time you a movie, you know what I mean? But um, so, you know what, Netflix is thinking, okay, this is a new series, a new series, season one, season two kind of crap, right? But in this case, it's a mini series. So, I'm assuming, you know, well, I'm assuming it kind of has to be given the the level of talent here, because like I say, we have Jonah Hill and Emma Stone in this in this series here. So it's not like they're gonna just do TV for the rest of their life. I mean, come on, they gotta they gotta win more Oscars and you know stuff like that, right? Okay, so the first thing that was that I picked up that was kind of weird about Mania is the aesthetic. It's this weird. It's a it's a clearly a cyberpunk story, but it is the retro futuristic look of everything. And I was trying to peg. What the aesthetic is about, and it's basically what you call the closest I could come to is um, cassette futurism, where apparently a lot of like drugs and psychedelic tech is allowed in the future, so people could experiment with a lot of this stuff. And basically, we follow Jonah Hill, who's suffering from severe mental health issues. Um, you learn it's something akin to schizophrenia, but you're not sure. Yes. Um, you learn later, and then you have Emma Stone, who's suffering from a suffering from like a depression and we learn why and then um basically they have to get together because they, they join a a program like a something akin to a drug trial program to test these drugs these three drugs but then you realize um, a lot of shakenry and shenanigans ensue involving a dead scientist uh well it's uh, kind of a spoiler with this but uh, ai that <laughs> ai that has something go terribly wrong with and Basically, you know, the scenario of dream sequences to go forward. And then that's pretty good. Um, everything builds from there. And yeah. that's it. Uh, ten episodes, short right. and sweet, but pretty good. Um, well, I'll, I'll just share my, my thoughts on, on the, the miniseries. Right? It was seeing that I just watched it actually before we met up online. I know you had time to probably figure things out. So I'll just share my thoughts on just first viewing, right? Um, so let us get the not so good out of the way. Uh, the themes of it or the aesthetic you know certain the certain the sci-fi stuff right the intellectual stuff it's stuff that we've seen before in other films um if you've seen stuff like um eternal sunshine for the spotless mind if you've seen the matrix you know if you've seen sci-fi films or you know media that touch on the idea of you know alter realities or using drugs to escape 
or trying to understand you know that kind of stuff um also there's the like with eternal sunshine as well you know drawing from memory and stuff that you see in um, people that you meet you know and whatnot and them showing up in your dreams you know all those kind of things i felt that i've seen before in in dozens of sci-fi films already so it's not like it, it made the the whole show predictable it's just like right yeah but i've seen this before i've seen this before now the the overarching team is is quite strong you know it's basically about um you know just about emotion and you know how how social interaction is is you know hinges on that emotion that emotional aspect you know whether it's with your friends or families and you know just the unfortunate truth that sometimes your friends are going to leave you sometimes your family members are going to leave you know through different circumstances but that's how you deal with that and I could actually relate to this as well, but you know, it's just the idea of the fear of trying to move on, trying to reconnect with somebody, and then really asking yourself, do I need to connect with somebody to really have a great life? You know what I mean? So those are quite powerful teams. Once again, not new teams, but you know, are, are, it's it's interesting how they how they present them here. Um, also, as far as the dream sequences go, because how it's set up is that there's it's a tree. It's a three-part trial, basically, right? Where they're trying this new kind of synthetic. It's it's a synthetic. It's not a synthetic drug, but basically, it's a kind of a pill of sorts, basically, right? Which is supposed to kind of help you live a normal life, though. you know, live a happier life, I should say, right? You know, you see those ads on TV before. You know, side effects include blah blah blah. But it's just basically for people who you know dealing with depression and all that kind of stuff now. And it's just these characters, including Jonah Hill and Emma Stone, who are part of this program right but what, what we learn later on is that they are connected in more ways than one you know they, they do kind of feel similar feelings of loss and depression and whatnot is how they kind of connect together now um, but as far as these dream sequences go yes they were ingenious they, they were clever there were some you know little like light-hearted moments some some smart human and whatnot but there was a, there were sometimes where I felt like they were just going a little too far with it, like they were just going so deep into this world or these worlds where it's like we almost forgot what the point of the show is about. Like they go in different worlds basically. Like there's one world, I should say one dream where it's like Emma Stone is imagining herself right. in sort of like a Lord of the Rings kind of scenario. But it makes sense because of the relationship that she has with her sister, you know, and she's the crux of what's going on with her emotionally, right? Um and Jonah right. Hill's case is something involving his brother, right? Um, a sort of like a animosity between the two of them. So every dream that he has always kind of involves his brother as well. Uh, but there was like one sequence near any near any end of the the um, the miniseries which involved like aliens and the end of the world and need to, and I felt like like yeah. that was just so painfully unnecessary. It's like okay, right. the, the jokes not landing at all, and you know, well, 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 props to yeah, Jonah no, Hill. some of the stuff made sense right. in the context Sorry. of right. well, all right. Where, why does that, where does it come from, quote-unquote, right? So it's like, okay, where does it come from? And it's yes, like, all right, yes, the reason yes. why uh, she believes in the Lord of the Rings thing, for example, is because the sister likes a show. She likes fantasy, and um, Emma does not like fantasy at all. Yeah, that a show on TV. Remember, they were there in the, in the first memory. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, stuff I like remember, that. I, so I can't remember yeah. if the, um, yeah. I can't remember if the thing had any relevance. Um, but I think he had, like, remember he had a, uh, mental thing with the, with the farm with the, with the brother the fake brother so it's possible that's where it came from yes yes uh when we say fake brother is that like when we introduce mm-hmm. to to um jonah's character um he sees like a mirror image of his brother like talking to him and right. telling him that you know there's a pattern that you have to follow and there's a journey and all that kind of stuff that so almost like a voice in his head but in this case it's personified by his um by his brother yeah so like the first half with the memory stuff was cool 
but like when you actually go into dream logic and stuff like that with all these different scenarios that's when i felt like it just started to lose focus for me like you know um and i mean these scenarios are interesting right they're intriguing but just from an emotional perspective it was just like eh, right. you know what i mean it just played out too much like scenarios than actual right. dramatic moments right even if they were played for right. last i didn't really find those moments all too funny well but... there's a big subplot involving justin through character and that didn't really work all that well for me oh yes 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 well we're getting to bring up that yeah um Right, so Justin Turo is like, uh, well, he's one of the guys who works at the Institute and he has this, like, love, he this mom. bitter relationship, I should say, with his mom, who's played by Sally Field. And he, you know, it's kind of reflected in the use of the AI. Even the design of the AI is so 80s, by the way. Uh, where he kind of reflects his mother, like his mother's personality on it. Right. And yeah, I, I do agree with you. It, it, it kind of falls flat a bit. Now. Like, I get what it's going for. They kind of just kind of drag things along, but... I do like the fact that they do touch on, you know, just the another, well, the connection partner, you know, mother and and son, basically, and how that could fall apart. So that was interesting, but it kind of didn't really go that, as far as I was expected to. Um, the intro to Justin's uh, character, okay. by the way, was so incredibly funny and creepy at the same time, you know, with the virtual reality porn and all that kind of stuff. I was like, okay, this is where we go in. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> now, that, that, that catch me completely by surprise, though. Um, but yeah, on to the good though, uh, the, the acting. Um, I'm yeah, Stan and Jonah Hill. Great performances from both of them. Great performances. They have chemistry together, even though it's mainly, you know, them looking kind of sad and depressed and, you know, I don't know what to do and all that kind of stuff. Though. But when they're on screen together, it works. So you do, re- you do care and relate f- um, with, um, relate to these characters, especially, especially Jonah. I thought that, he actually surprised me. Like, I know he, he's been putting out great performances, you know, ever since he sat, like, losing weight, ever since Moneyball, actually. I think it's, like, when yeah. he got that Oscar nom for Moneyball, like, that's when he career, like, really started to pick up. I mean, uh, I mean, I really liked him in Superbad, all that kind of stuff, though. but, like, that was, like, the, the, the first chapter of his career, now. but now, as he, as he kind of loses weight and he's just doing these more dramatic roles, like, well, yeah, you know, he really shows how great, how great of an actor he is now. Um, even that Nito scene that I didn't really like that much, you know, he committed to that performance. I was like, yeah, boy, you know what I mean? Because they give the, the two leads a lot of um, characters, a lot of things to do. Um, Emma Stone took a while to, to, to for me to kind of care about because kind of came off, you know, morose, well, pissed off, taking it all to everybody. But it's when you, you got the first memory about her and just that, that emotional blow, you know what I mean? That one, I was like, okay, this is why she liked this way. And that's when I started caring. So yeah, both of those characters were strong, well-developed as well. I really related to them, even right down to the ending that um, even with its missteps and all, I, I really did like and appreciate the ending. It was okay, a nice so I, end off I, the, I had a couple of problems with the ending so because that. the show so far was dealing with the show so far was dealing with mental health well, but then they decided to go with a weird ending and I didn't really find out it was a kind of weird one. It's, it's, it's very Hollywood. It's very... Hollywood, the, the way how they ended, they're like we have to have this happy ending. So here goes, but it's happy ending right. in the sense like, well, we're free now, you know. And out in in the world, we don't know what's gonna happen next. Um, the part leading up to the end was 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 strong as well with them talking to each other. Um, I love that. It's just that moment where Jonah kind of breaks down and says, well, he he doesn't know if he should trust anybody anymore and all that kind of stuff. That 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 moment. Really got to me, but I do admit, yes, the ending is kind of, kind of wonky, kind of, 
Like, I mean, I, I, I like the lightheartedness of it all, but in relation right. to what we saw before, eh, I don't know. Um, but the side characters were great as well. I wish you could have seen more of Gabriel Byrne. Um, but when he's on screen, he's great. Um, Sally Field was, was surprisingly great as well. Um, Justin Turo, like I say, he just plays that, um, that lovable loser, basically. Um, and how his arc yeah. ends was kind of interesting as well. Um, especially in relation to like the big thing that was going on with the AI and stuff. Um, but yeah, but despite the flaws, like I say, just stuff that we've seen before, even right down to the AI overreacting and, you know, there's a flaw in the, the memory stuff. So now we're seeing things and there's glitches and all that kind of stuff. Like you've seen that yeah. before in other films before. But um, so it's not like this show did anything unique or special, but the team of it, you know, just the team, sorry, you know, with emotion and just that attachment, that human attachment really still the most to me. So overall, while I wasn't completely blown away by, by Maniac, and by the way, that title is misleading. Like, yes, I understand the context of it. Like, you know, you see somebody, something's wrong with them. You think they're crazy, but it's only, you know, it's just a matter of, like, understanding where they're coming from. Like, oh, they, you're not that crazy, you know what I mean? But that kind of stuff, though. But still, you can come with a better title than Maniac. Sorry, when I hear Maniac, I take it that 1980 horror film, you know what I mean? But, uh, sorry, but... All that aside, though, um, for what it is, it is very decent. Um, oh, yes, yeah, so we forgot to mention yeah. direction. Direction is strong in this. The music is, is decent. The the world, the, the aesthetic is is quite interesting, um, especially with the 80s aesthetic there, too. That, yes, because it's Netflix, they do harken back to some 80s stuff. One in particular involving Emma and Juna as this couple. I thought that, that, yeah, that, that moment was cool, but it was like, yeah, lots of 80s worship here, but I didn't mind. Um, but other than that, while like I say, while I didn't completely blow my away, why I didn't really do anything different, um, the emotional aspect was well, um, was was still was still strong and still held up. Yeah, I, I, I dug it a lot, but didn't love it a lot. I, I felt the first uh, half or so was great, but then the second half where they didn't result, they resolved things in a relatively melancholy way. Especially involving um, Jonah brother and everything, and what they was doing with that—that that was alright and kind of interesting. Um, the whole point about mental health is that it's, it's yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. relatively simple um, solutions to these problems, right? That's kind of the the problem with um, mental health issues, in my opinion. It's yes, it might have a real aspect, but it's really more yeah. the family does put it in a place emotionally that you don't want to be in, and that's kind of the source of the problem. Um, and I like that. Um, but then they decided to like go in this weird. They just solved it like that, and I was like, right, "Cool, we're going to solve it like that, fine." And yeah, I didn't really have any big problems with it going forward. But again, yeah. the second half was a little weak. It, it could have, to me, I wanted a little more sci-fi in the sci-fi, even though it was this weird catch, cassette future world. It was like normal for me. I yeah. I, I didn't love it, but you know, I wanted to. Mm. I liked it. Yeah. Same, same here too. Liked it, but I didn't love it. I wanted to love it, but you know, it's, it is what it is. It is what it is. All right. So now, now, now for now for the moment of truth, boy. Now we are talk about that movie, boy. That 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 movie that, yeah. that Sony just had to put out, right? Because they just had to. Just had to milk the 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 the, the Spider Verse for what it's worth, man. Excluding, of course, the new Spider-Man movie, which, by the way, I'm excited to see. I really love it. Well, seen here thus far. Not expecting this thing to blow my mind, but I want it to be fun, right? So, whatever. Right. So, of course, we have to talk about Venom. So, we must talk about We Are Venom. Ah, uh, so 
Venom, the character himself. So while I wouldn't call myself the biggest, like, you know, most knowledgeable when it comes to Spider-Man comics. Like, I mean, I love Spider-Man, right? I love the Spider-Man comics, but I wasn't really reading that when I was growing up. I was more on the X-Men side, really. I was more reading X-Men stuff, right? So I was introduced to Venom, like many people did, right. through the 1990s animated series. Love that character. When yeah. I heard We Are Venom, I went crazy. When I heard Stop Calling Us That, I was like, okay, this is insane. I love it, the dynamic of it. You know, this alien symbiont that taken over this human body and basically is like, we're working together. So we're saying we and us. And I thought that was excellent. Um, that whole, I think it's like three parts, that whole arc with Spider-Man and him having the yeah. Venom suit and then it goes to Eddie Brock and all that stuff. Worked for me, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's dated, but it works, right? Um, and then, you know, like, just of the success of, of, of that Venom character in the animated series, we had the video game Maximum right. Carnage, which I feel in so shame I never play. So, cut to 2007, man, you know? Good year, good year. And then, and then we got one of your... <laughs> your... your what, one, one of your top five picks for just films that just infuriated yeah. you to the core, Spider-Man 3. Once again... You know, we, we had to yeah. blame, you know, because basically this, this, the reason why this movie, I think, suffered and failed, same reason that movie suffered and failed. Mr. Avi Arad. Um, yeah. Avi Arad is ah, the kind boy. of the core of the problem right here. Avi Arad is the same reason why this movie turned out the way it is. It's like, yeah, you had to mm-hmm. push out this Venom crap. And then, you know, he's so obsessed yeah. with Venom and he's like, well, Sam Raimi kind of didn't want to do Venom, even though I agree that they should have done Venom as a third villain. You know, it's still, if you can't do it properly, don't do it at all. And that's exactly what it yeah. was. Like, you know, it's just a bunch of idiots obsessing about Venom. And it's men who were old in the 90s and think, oh, well, this is what young people like. And then they still think this is what young people like. You know, Avi Arad is 70, goddamn years old. There are no good, good, good reason to be, like, be doing these movies yeah. still, in my opinion. Like, in terms of such a direct involvement. Yeah. Like, you know, get, get people younger, you need people right. with younger energy and have a good balance and sense of the material and how to make it work. Yeah, is not Before we get to Venom, right? So yes, um, Spider-Man yeah. Homecoming became a reality now. So Spider-Man returned to, to its home. It's like, great, hallelujah. But Sony, boy, Sony and them was like, okay. you know, but you know, we still had that Venom, you know, we still had that Venom script, you know. And you know, if possible, if that works, you know, we could do Morbius because everybody yeah. was looking up for a Morbius film. Everybody mm. wanted to see Craven the Hunter. Remember Craven the Hunter? Everybody remember Craven the Hunter? Yes, we're gonna do a Craven the Hunter movie. Nobody wants a Craven the Hunter movie. Come on, man. Nobody yeah. cares about that. Come on, Sony. <laughs> so cut to twenty eighteen. Yes, we was hearing we hearing through the great Vine Venom movie coming out. We saw the first trailer of it. We got that that meme worthy shot of of um of, of Tom Hardy just shaking the that hospital bed. Tell you how unfinished and lazy this fucking project is. Eh? They just put out stuff that was clearly like, are they really serious? Are they not gonna not gonna do this in this way? It's like, alright, just just that first trailer alone, right? We'll get to the movie. That first trailer alone was kind of weird to me because you were seeing Eddie Brock on a bike and you were seeing a car chase and cars flipping and like and felt very yeah, rushed hard. very very first draft now, you know what I mean um, but then the second trailer came out we got to see the Venom like him right. uh, well Tom Hardy as Venom we heard dialogue from Venom and people yeah, were like a turn in the wind what? what? And yes, the nerds had to come and say, yes, you did see that in an issue back in 1990-something. But still, hearing Venom in 2018 yeah, say, 
To be clear, that is very 90s dialogue, so whatever. Again, this really felt like a script that was dusted off, you know, from 1998, and let's put it out. Like, they really wanted to make this for 1998, release to 1999, or whatever it is. Like, back then, it would have worked on the whatever. You know, as you say, you know what that reminds me of? There's the dialogue, the 90s dialogue. Yeah. Remember in Blade when he says, right. um, yeah. always try to ice skate uphill. Remember, remember how weird that song yeah. was? Well, sorry, how cool that song back in 98, right? But then when yeah, it came, I was like... Clear, it's a line uh, I still like, yeah? it's such a comic line. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like it too. I like yeah. it too, but it's yeah. very 90s. It's very 90s, uh? Let, yeah. Let's be real. It's a very 90s so that's line. That's what I'm not, like, I'm not thinking about this um, when I'm moving. Yeah, yeah, you cannot put up. It's just like... This was brilliant, so and so, so and so, and I'm gonna just borrow from movie Bob. Uh, he just made the point. This is a brilliant film, so and so, and then when he just do the, the record skip, and then say, wait, what? 2018? Yeah, oh. it, yeah. It, it came out in 2018. Yes, I As I said, we will talk about the movie, point. but I just wanna address if you go on Rotten Tomatoes now, Venom has an 89 rating amongst the fan base or like, amongst the general audience. Uh, it has a 35 amongst the uh, right. critics. Very low scored critics. Right? So it's a very few critics like it. Uh, probably Armand White, you know, somebody like that. Uh, that's it. Uh, but most people, most people, most mm-hmm. critics hate it, but mostly a big fan base like it, popcorn wise. And it's like, they might like it ironically, maybe. But a lot of people seem to genuinely like it. It's like, oh shit, this is exactly will we create. And, you know, this is the same will where last year I have 45% or whatever it is. <laughs> In the fan base, but eighty nine or ninety some percent in the among the critics. There's a problem with it. Is yeah. we have these sweet splits between audience and thing, and, and corporations, unfortunately, taking advantage of that in the worst ways. Because what corporations, in my opinion, should be doing is catering to the critics, and don't cater to the audience, and then they delineate uh, material. But you know, we had it with Transformers, and now we get it back. Yeah. This Venom is basically a new Transformers movie, as far yeah. as I'm concerned, mixed with a troll. All of these real dotish movies where it's so much bullshit, but it, it's unironically hilarious, unintentionally hilarious as well. Yeah, yeah, so, that's so, so 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 and bad. I it's good. Every time it's like, when yeah. I was watching, yeah. especially when Riot and Venom was arguing with each other, holy shit, I was cracking up good because that shit was so bad. That was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was just like, I was just like, okay, yeah. I was just like, okay, this is what we're doing. So when uh, okay. try to play okay. shit, it's way well, part of the But when they can think at the audience, it's like, all right, you get away. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of borderline, some kind of Verhoeven level, kind of RoboCop bullshit we get. Um, and so that's why right, in that right. way I had fun with the movie. The movie is a total drinking movie. Let's be clear about that. Because I, I went completely sober and I still had fun in that sense. I, I was just cracking up at how dumb this shit is. Um, mm. But... You know, that's the problem. You're it's just drunk with friends, and you, you should enjoy it in that sense. With that said, boy, this movie's a fucking mess. Good God. So let, let me let me let me get the good out of the way, right? The good. Tom Hardy. Right. He's a man that commits his performances, right? I respect him for that. He puts his all into this movie, even though the 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 the, 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 the script and the movie itself is garbage. And yes, he deserves way better. Say what you want about him play, playing Bean in Dark Knight Rises. That was a better role for him than 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 Eddie Brock here, boy. I don't want to say that he was miscast as Eddie, but what I like though is that um, 
well, I, I guess you could kind of blame it on the kind of weird um, pseudo American accent that he that he applies here, but he's kind of likable though. He he is kind of slimy and shady, especially when it comes to how he gets his news and whatnot. But I don't know. I I, I kind of like yeah. him in a way though. He had this kind of likability about him, even when he lost his job and all that kind of stuff. I was I was feeling for the guys like, oh poor poor Eddie. You know what I mean? And when he does bond with, with, with Venom, it does make for some really interesting hijinks, right? Like for one thing, hearing voices in his head and all that kind of stuff. Um, I hated, however, when he had to go Shia buff well, Transformers 2 Shia buff territory. Like if you remember from World of Avengers Fallen, where like um, Shia LaBeouf was hearing, was seeing all these like symbols, and then you just do all these crazy right. stuff, all yeah. these things in his head. They do that in one yeah. scene with with, with lobsters, and I was like, oh god, why, 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 why are we doing the Shia LaBeouf thing? Why, why are we doing this? No, yeah, no Tom Hardy, no. <laughs> but anyway, blame it on the script, right? Oh, um, but as far as actors, yeah, as far as actors go, he's the only one I really should care about, boy. Riz Ahmed though feels painfully miscast, boy. Like he could have just, he could have just developed his character so much more instead of just the the mad scientist who just captures, um, homeless people, yeah, like man, he's dust, he's and bunnies and all that kind of stuff. But the one, the the, the person I feel the sorry the most yeah. for, boy, was Michelle Williams, right? From the moment she comes in on screen, eh, and it's the it's a scene where Eddie's lying down, he's he's asleep, she's getting ready to go to work, and they're trying to play like there's a couple That's, and they're kissing all that kind of stuff, and I'm like, no, I'm not feeling this. It felt like a total comic thing, like you know, comics is there these scenarios, like well, in a panel, it might yeah, make yeah. some sense. Um, Venom himself, CG wise, could have could have could have had a little bit more work done to him. Like, okay, the build of him, how he large right. is. I like yeah. it. It's cool. The face is done well enough, but I felt that there were some moments where they could have just kind of really done more with the visual effects on Venom itself. It just felt a little right. too TV for me. Um, but yeah, but even right now to that money shot of Venom and, and yeah, Red Fighter, where you see the symbiotes almost like they're just kind of removing themselves. Yeah. So it's spoiling the trailer, but when you see it there, and in the context of it, which is like this rocket ship or whatever, this rocket going up, so they have to try to get to it, which is so a ripple from the animated series, but whatever. I was like, no, no, no. This and you even give us much of a fight though. It just kinda ends as soon as it starts in my opinion. I was like, nah bro, nah boy. But really the biggest sin of the show well, sorry, two biggest sins of the show. And here you get to your thoughts. One, the script. The script really does feel like yeah. something from the nineties. It feels so dated. The style of it, you know, the way how um it's set up and everything that even right down to the body aspect of it is so nineties. Like you always have to you know, ninety you know, buddy cops movies were big in the nineties. Buddy movies in general were big in the nineties, right? Whether it was comedies or actions or whatever it is, right? But it does really feel so nineties. Um the way how it ends, like with the last shot with with um with um with Tom Hardy walking in here and Eddie talking yeah. and they having a back and forth conversation. It's such a nineties way to end a movie, even right down to the crane shot. I was like, this is so so nineties. I thought we we done with this since like the two thousands, right? With these family comedies ending movies like that. Like but in twenty eighteen right. they, they they had to end the show like that. And then it's even worse now and I'll bring this up later with the with the audience likability the movie. Playing Eminem's Venom. I like remember I was telling you when I when I when I covered um the Kamikaze album review and I said that that that, that Venom song was so bad. Nah. But it was a sign of things to come. 
just hearing it in the context of the movie now, it makes it sound so incredibly right. 90s now. Like the the synths that's in the song, the tune, you know what I mean, in it. And let's not even, but let's, let's just, just a little detour for a bit. So, Ricardo, having heard the song now, having heard the venom, 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 what do you think about know, the song it's Venom? I, I did you know, it's, it's a movie that, again, it's it's all part of that whole, you know, rule of, you know, the whole part of the whole, old, uh, you have a big song for your movie and you put it at the end of the song. So it's like at the end of the movie, it's fine. Yes, I agree. Yeah, it, it has yeah. that 90s feel now, you know what I mean? Yeah, because I don't mind. I, 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 don't I agree with you, yeah. Hear it? Hear it? And, and, yeah, and yeah, the film is fine. I, 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 I won't like, go to myself to listen to it. Not like it's a particularly bad song or anything like that. It's just, just as like whatever. It's just a hook though. That, yeah. that that hook is terrible. I sorry, that hook is terrible, right? But um, I did I did like the raw shot kind of style, the, you know, the visual thing that they was doing in the um the, the full yeah. set to the end credits when the song was playing. I thought that yeah. was cool. I thought that was really cool. That was cool. Um, and it actually helped in kind of amping up the song now. But the song is still, well, just the hook is just incredibly corny, right? But yeah, it does kind of harken back to that nineties thing. Now. And I think that's why people like it so much. Can have this sort of like 90s superhero vibes and things like say like a Batman forever where it's dumb and it's silly but you're looking at the spectacle of it and how you know how 90s it feels you know just just taking it back to that that era and to me I think that is like the biggest flaw of the movie it just really feels too dated but I think that's why people like it so much like it kind of reminds them of a time when superhero movies didn't take themselves so seriously you could laugh at, at an actor talking to a yeah. CG creature in his head and all that kind of stuff you can laugh at it. It's dumb fun. And you know, for me, I could look at it as dumb fun. Like, when I came out of it, I felt it was dumb fun. And, well, the second thing that really brought the film down was the script itself. Just, uh, well, sorry, the inconsistency of the tones. Because, yes, we know that it was supposed to be an R-rated film. But, of course, you had to make it PG-13 because ticket sales. That's why. Don't mind. You bring it out in October. Halloween month. Just saying. But whatever. But, um, you know, and we live in a world that has Deadpool, Deadpool 2, and Logan. But whatever. That's Fox. Nobody cares, right? But anyway, but um, the thing is, it's just like you, you go in for sci-fi. Like literally the beginning of the film, I was taking Predator. Not just the first Predator movie, but the Predator, the movie that I hated and I reviewed last time, right? But then it goes to like, you know, night, you know comedy, that kind of... Um, it goes to comedy, then it goes to like body horror, then it goes to body cop, and then it goes to action. So the tones are just all over the places. It can't figure out its proper identity, yeah. which I guess is a problem with Sony and Spider-Man movies, right? Just trying to figure out tone and character and, and identity now. But yeah, but for me, before well, before you get to your thoughts, right? This is not my final words on it. I came out of it not hating it as much as I wanted to, mainly because it just has this kind of goofy right. 90s sensibility about it. But when I, I end up sleeping on it, and then when I slept, when I slept on it, and then I started to think about it again, that's when the flaws started started to show themselves up. And I was like, "All right, uh, uh. but them flaws though. Even if you wanna go back old school, you wanna harken back to old school. That's fine, you know. But you could have done so much more with that script, but you shouldn't have been so lazy with that script, boy. 
it shouldn't have been so lazy with just the the the, the pacing you know with the tone of the film you could have done so much more instead of just throwing this out there and saying hey guys you want to see the r-rated version wait some months hopefully it won't come out for christmas you might probably get like in february whatever i wait for the r-rated version it'll be so much better but whatever it is right um yeah, which which I generally hate. I mean, it once yeah. with um with Batman v Superman. So and and this case is like what forty minutes. Yeah, of like, come on, man, really. Um, yeah, but here's the thing: like audiences were were, were like clapping at it because it was actually yeah. kind of liking the vibe of it. And I guess in that case, I, I understand because it's lighter in tone. But at the <laughs> end of the day, bro, it's it's Venom. We really go in Venom for for dark yeah, way. For sorry, for light. And last things last, last things last, just one scene where I knew things were going to go bad, right? Is the moment where the symbiont actually attached itself to Eddie, right? You notice how that man was just moving, like breaking through walls and climbing off, Nothing climbing, like climbing up um, fences and like whatnot. And afterwards, he does not even acknowledge anything. It's just like, oh, I just escaped from this institute. Yeah. Just like that. No moment of him kind of questioning how, why, how you, how was he able to do the things that he did? It just, it just happened. Whatever, right? Anyway, <laughs> that's that's my long two cents on it. So Ricardo, take it away. Uh, tell me no, about it's show. one of those again. I just resign myself to expecting this to be really bad. Like by the time I hear Aviarado's like involved, it's like yeah, it's Amy Pascal and Aviarado fucking around as usual. So I resign myself to it. But yeah, the movie is just a to- total mess. Editing, uh, rubbish. The line reader and block it. Yeah, you, you, you could tell you could tell there's, yeah. there's stuff that, the, that would cut the, out. Yes, right? but the editing and tell. blocking in the scenes are bad. Oh, um just shit. particularly bad in this movie. And I but I was just laughing at how bad this movie was. Like in two two moments in particular was just so bad in terms of the editing was when he escaped. Right? Remember the scene where he escaped and he was in the forest. Shit was real fucking bad though. That was yes, bad. Yes. Um stuff like just It was. Jesse, it was. Yeah. How, 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 but what, 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 what was funny in that scene, right? Is as, as Eddie running, I see a guy that he just show up, just yeah. show up, just just show up. out of the blue. Like, he yeah, just comes out yeah, and he's like, like, wait, so there are guys, there are guys. So, but how, how, yeah. how it framed that, how it looked is like, oh, so what? It has just, guys just, just yeah. just wait for yeah, people yeah, to it was, it was really atrocious. Like, it, and it was, it. and look, I, I, because I didn't really, because I knew, everybody kind of knew this was going to be garbage going forward. But you know, much like the Transformers films, everybody had to start this, they stand up, they, they five minutes stand up, set up how bad it was. I didn't need to do that. I was like, I just crack it. I just was laughing at how bad this was. But at the same time, I was like, whatever. And see what you want about Sony, boy, but Sony should, should, Sony have, have standards, Sony have quality. You know, it's like they didn't put any into this thing, boy. And, Overall, the plot was like the plot could have been yeah. decent. It had some alright ideas in the plot because it's like, all right, you're gonna do this with it, and you're gonna do that with it, and you know, you could do an interesting rewrite here or there. But because they didn't give a fuck, it didn't really work, and it's just Venom just beating up a bunch of stuntmen, and that's pretty much it. It it, it just came and went for me. Yeah, and, yeah, and oh, and and oh, and, and we've, right, and we forgot wait. to mention, we forgot to mention, biting off right. people's heads on Whatever. screen. All but my thing is that, and then they had a couple moments where, like, when Venom take over Michelle Williams, that was kind of funny for two seconds. Going good with it, movie done, it's like, alright, cool. Then they had the fucking goal <laughs> to put, put, put yep. the ball Woody Harrelson yep, yep, yep. in the worst <laughs> wig. <laughs> yeah. Woody Harrelson, no. Uh, was, he, was he character named by Cassidy something? I forget, Casey, Miss 
face gets scattered. It's still scattered, right? Clear, clear, and I was like, wow, are they, are they fucking serious with this? And yeah. all they had the gold to say it was bullshit. But it's the last line, though. It's, like, it's, like, it's the last line that had me going. It's like, as oh, soon as I get out God. of here, it's going to yeah, be Yeah, the worst fucking like Carnage. Again, again. Uh. This thing totally fit in 2003, 1998. I think when I made some money, I think it did okay for the first weekend. I think it made like about 80 million. Yeah, it 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 it's it's actually the number one well um number one box office right now. It beat a Star is Born, and it, it's kind of funny because like um I don't know what the actual controversy was, but like some I think it was either Lady Gaga or with the Star is Born was spreading like these comments about Venom like to prevent viewers from actually seeing these shows, so a Star is Born would be would make more money, but that kind of fell apart. Didn't really care about that, but yeah, it, yeah, Venom is number one right now. And you know, like I said before, you know, it has a kind of audience appeal. Like, like when I when I saw it in in theaters, right? Like, um, in the theater, sorry. People were legit clapping, not a loud clap, of course. Eh? Just like a like a tap 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 tap, right? As soon as the credits are rolling, yeah, the venom, come on, right? Um, some people, like a majority of them, leave, and then like a few people was like, okay, this is a Marvel movie, so we had to wait for the mid credits, and then that moment happened. Nobody bothered, ooh, ooh, or yeah. like that. It just kind of went, right? But yeah, as soon as the movie ended, people just gear up and walk off there. You know, like, people weren't cheering, they weren't clapping, they weren't laughing or making noise. They were just watching the film, the eyes wide open, and like, all right, you know, this is a Venom movie, you know what I mean? But not the kind of exhilaration that you would get from an MCU film, and, you know, right, right there. That's what I, I watched it, man. I, could, I couldn't care one way or the other at this point, because, again... Google to report off Marvel and not having a sense of how to make a, a cinematic universe. Hopefully they can get some good writers, but they'll probably not and they'll fuck it up. Uh, moving on, the movie was alright in that sense. I, I just look at it as a Transformers movie. This was Transformers 3 for me. Like, that is where it was. It just felt like that. The, you know, I, I hated it, but I didn't hate it so much to say fuck it to that sense. Like, it's just a mess. Moving on. Um, I'll give same it here, my rating, I'll give it a uh, well, low CC8, because that's what it deserves. <laughs> uh, but I, I do agree with you. Like, I did not hate the show. I was actually surprised that I didn't hate the show, because I went in completely yeah. ready to rip yeah. the movie to shreds. But yes, thinking about it, actually sleeping on it, kind of kind of make me think more about the about the missed efforts, the missed opportunities that this movie had. It's just so lazy when you think about it, but it's just a shame. So for me, I would give this a strong two and a half out of five, man. Um, go see it if you want to. Um, and last things last, I'll say though is that yes, it is one of those so bad is good movies. I see this being like you know part of like uh, like you know when you have limes or hanging out with your friends or whatnot, yeah, some beers or whatnot, yeah, popping venom and you just be like just yeah. laughing, <laughs> just yeah. having fun watching a bad movie. Yeah. That that's what it is. Just having fun watching a bad movie. And yeah, that's pretty much about it. So until the next one, take care. Peace.